everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. Sunday night Bible study on talk show. Appreciate you wonderful folks being there in the chat room. It's been a while, been a week. <laughs> it's uh, kind of hard to get used to not having a program every um, three in a row, but Lord willing, we will have one tomorrow night. Um, don't know exactly what the topic's going to be. I may do a program on the Hebrew Roots movement that's out there that's gaining steam. Or either that, or we may go through, touch on the seals in uh, the book of Revelation. We may, we, we, one of those two, as far as I know right now. I may change my mind between now and then, but 
We'll see what happens, see what the Lord does. I'll do some studying tomorrow and come to the conclusion. But what would you folks like? Which one of those would you folks like to do? Let me ask you. I'm here for you. Which one would y'all like to do? See what they put in the chat room, brother. Give them a few seconds. Um, Brother Dave, our vote don't count, okay? Okay. <laughs> I'm just joking, brother. You and Kevin said got just as much right as anybody else. Murph said Hebrew Roots. Murph said Hebrew Roots? Yes. Anybody else? Not yet. Got a preference? I don't. Okay. We get started in the book of Revelation. (laughs) I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. I, I really don't because we'll be all over the Word of God. And I, I'm going to mention something about it tonight after we do John chapter 9. I'm gonna mention Chad it. said you, you're going to cover the seals in Revelation, so why not Hebrew, Hebrew Roots Movement? Okay. All right. Okay. We'll do it. Well, then I'll tell you what it's going to do. My brother Kevin can put the title down there as um, the heresy of the Hebrew Roots Movement. And in parentheses, beside that, put the book of Galatians, okay? Because Galatians just tears it all to pieces. We'll be in the book of Galatians mostly tomorrow night then. So that's what we'll do. Brother Dave, if you would, open us in a word of prayer, brother. Certainly. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you tonight, and we give thanks for this evening. We give thanks for your word. We give thanks for the blood of Jesus that enables us to have the privilege of coming into your presence and to be called by you and to be children of God. And so tonight we pray that you would magnify and glorify again the the Lord Jesus Christ as you reveal to us the Word and that the Word would become a part of our heart and our mind because it's already written there. And we thank you, Lord, that you bring it to life in us and cause the Word to bring revelation to us, cause the word to work in us and to bring about change so that we can live the life that the Lord Jesus Christ would be glorified with and that we would fulfill those things to which we were ordained to do from before the foundations of the earth. And we thank you, Lord, that you are putting to death and getting rid of our enemies, whether they they be spirits whether they be angels, whether they be people, we thank you that they're conquered in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for blessings for those in the chat rooms that have needs, Lord, that their needs would be met. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. So be it. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah, Brother David, um, in his prayer right there, made me think of something that... It may. I don't know if you people ever stop to think about this, but how come, you know, we've sent missionaries all over the world, and the the word of God and Christianity turned the white world upside down. Why can't some of our brethren out there get a clue? There's a reason why there's never been an another nation turned upside down. 
of the other two races. That's a very good point. China has been evangelized since the since the sixteen seventeen hundreds. Yes. Africa has been gone over. Started with Jonathan Livingston. I mean, it's been gone over a million times. Why is it only the white nations of the world were were formed? Governments founded around those. Why is it only the white nations were turned upside down? <laughs> I wonder why our brethren out there that are so eager to go stick their nose under some of the other races. I didn't say don't preach to them, folks. Don't get me wrong. I can go straight to Isaiah or the book of Revelation and show you that's supposed to be done. Okay, I didn't say that. That's whosoever will business. I've covered it ad nauseum. But I wonder why some of our brethren won't stop and think there's a reason for that. They've had the same amount of, they've had the same more time as far as that goes. Since, since the, we've had the Word of God in canon form, in complete form, since 1600. It turned the white countries upside down. Had an effect on their lives, even with the wicked one pushing his agenda. Still, still, it had the impact. And still does today. How minute, even though it's waning and we're in the falling away stage. But I wonder why some of our brethren don't get that. Don't, why don't they stop and think about that? I wonder why some of our brethren don't stop and think, have they ever checked the population of the world and see who is the minority in the world? It's, hey, it's us. How is that possible? Is there any scripture that says that we would be the minority populations of the earth? Turn to Deuteronomy 7, Brother David. Yes. And read verse 7. Okay. I do not understand why our brethren don't get this. I don't get it. And I've dealt with some of them. I heard some of them this, this, this past week. I was listening to some of the brothers out there, good teachers, good Bible teachers, believe the book, love the Lord. And it, and, and, and it was mentioned about the Anglo-Israel truth and they, every, they, not, they talked for 10 minutes about it, and not one time gave anything more than an opinion and the old party line, the lies that's been told for the last 250 years. That's Same the old part, That's the part that wears me out the most. And it gets These blood, brothers they have of no ours proof that, of what they're saying. Not none. Not yeah. none. No scripture, no nothing. And it just, made, it just makes me want to pull my hair out. But anyway, Brother David, read Deuteronomy 7, 7. Certainly. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. Simple. And it's no different today. If you, it's, it's like I mentioned a few programs back. If you visualize this plane we're on, and visualize the population of 7.2 billion, whatever. We're less than, we're now right at 7, maybe 6.8% of all of that planet. Everything else is dark. We're the only candlelight left in a dark world and getting fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer. 
That's why I use the illustration of the candle being lit in God's people. That's why I've used it from the very beginning. And not only is it scripture, but it's the truth. It's 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 natural and physical as long as well as spiritual. And that stuff just makes me want to pull my hair out. Like Brother David said, it dry it drives me crazy. And, and now all I can say is this. Some it's just it's the sovereign hand of God. Opening whosoever eyes he wants to open and whose he don't, he don't, period. We're gonna and, go ahead, brother, if you got Yes, something. this Anglo Israel message is so very important. A lot of people you know, especially Judeo-Christians, and even some who are Anglo-Israel, they don't realize how important this is. Because when you're opened up to who the white Western peoples, the Christian people of the world are, it changes everything. The whole Bible begins to make a lot more sense. Verses you didn't understand, they start to make sense. All of a sudden you see the, who the enemy is in a whole new light. Now you're not going to go to war and kill your brothers and sisters in other countries. You're not going to kill the Germans. You're not going to kill the British. You're not going to kill the Irish, the Scots. They well, stop fighting each other and they turn around and look at who the enemy really is. No. Satan, his hordes, the... The fallen angels and the their heathen. troop. The heathen. As the Amen. Yeah, the heathen. And, yes. and the thing about it is, uh, I was talking to a brother this week about this very, about this very same thing. And this is one of this is one reason I do know this for a fact because I've I've been dealing with uh, some of my brothers about this ever since the Lord opened my eyes to the Anglo-Israel truth. And it's this right here. Some of them, you tell them the facts. They're, they want to know the truth, but then they go and hear some of these reprobates that try to put them back under the law oh, and yeah. try to do all this, like this Hebrew roots crap, okay? All this stuff. They don't think, they think that everything, I can't be wrong about the basic Christian doctrines I've learned, can I? And the fact is, no, there's nothing wrong with basic Christian doctrine that's been taught for the last 2,000 years. There's not a thing. It reconciles completely with the Anglo-Israel truth. And if you've listened to me for three years, you've heard me put it in its place. And I think that's one reason that some of the brethren won't give, won't start studying it and understand that it is the truth. I think it holds them back some. Have you thought about that, David? Yeah, I can see how that would be, especially in the southern states. We have a little different problem in a lot of Europe and Canada, and that is because of this political correctness. Whenever you start to go to this route, this area, they say you're a hater. You are a racist. You hate people. God loves everyone. We're all the same. You know, we all bleed red and all this kind of stuff. Well, They'll go on. And I that is the biggest problem trouble up here but i can see exactly what you're saying with people who are already somewhat racially aware and know the word of god it, i think it, they're already partly going the right way to find out this truth and if they go and hear someone in hebrews root or something then it turns them off yeah. absolutely it turns them off it sure does i've done heard some of them talk about it i mean you know with the the brother that was here 
last summer, Brother Jeff Strange, remember the guy that yes. uh, my friend was down? He He's yeah. coming along. The la- uh, I've, I've talked to him one time since he left, but um, he's really – Really starting to lean this direction, and yeah. uh, and he and he oh, told yeah. me some of the other brothers that was their problem. Mm-hmm. They said there's no way that the church has been built on false doctrine all this time because yeah. they okay. went over and looked at some of these teachers that that understand their identity and they're teaching a bunch of false doctrine, a bunch of heresy and crap, mm-hmm. or writing a new Bible or some crazy mess like that. Oh wow, yeah. And that's what that's what I'm saying. It's ridiculous. And you've got the Paul bashers out there say that the, all the Pauline epistles are no good. How how can you expect to lead some of them to the Anglo-Israel truth? You can't. It won't work. Not if they they're listening to all these bunch of reprobates out there. But anyway, I didn't mean to get off on that. But no, that's okay. Brother Dave's prayer just reminded me of that. Anyway, anyway. John chapter 9, brother, let's go ahead and get started. You can read the first few verse, first three. Let me see. Uh, just start reading. Okay. John chapter 9, verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Okay, folks, I want you to notice that, it's, that this is t- totally of the Lord. In other words, there is no, um, this blind man, we're going to notice as we go down through here, that the blind man wouldn't looking, wouldn't trying to find Jesus, hadn't heard about Jesus. He just happened to be there. The Lord is p- picking out this blind man in His sovereign will and going to use him as an example for spiritual truth. We'll find that out in the very last verse. Okay, and what? And this guy is he, he's not a believer in Christ. Don't profess to be. And you'll see the way the the conversation goes. This chapter only has one episode, and it and it's about this blind man that was blind from his youth. And you'll see the progression as we go down through this chapter, if you pay attention. Continue on, brother. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents? Okay, immediately you see that they've got in their mind some of the Old Testament law, what is it, brother? The sins are passed down. How many generations is supposed to be in the Old Testament? What is that? Um, the sins of the fathers are handed down. Is it seven generations? What is it? Yeah, I think it is to um, seven generations, yes. Okay, well, that's what, that, see, they're immediately thinking this right here because this man has a physical disability. All right? And watch what the Lord says. Continue on, brother. Okay. That he was born blind. Verse 3, Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Okay, now the Lord is not saying that what's, what is written back in the Old Testament. It's not true. We know better than that. He's not saying that. This is just an exa- a random example he's using, but he's showing you a precedent set forth. That after his resurrection and the shedding of his blood, there's a new covenant coming. That's the, one of the spiritual lessons you have to learn. You, If you've got spiritual ears and eyes, you understand when you read this chapter. Okay? And we, we, it really uh, show, rears its head shortly as we get on down here. But know this man, the Lord randomly picks him out by his own sovereign will. This man is not a believer in Christ. 
as far as we know, ain't got had nothing to do with Christ. He just happens to be around, and the Lord uses him for an example. Go ahead, brother. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As the long night, as I am. That, that, that is a strange verse right there. The night cometh when no man can work. Okay, Brother Dave, give me the answer to that. When is that? When there's no more uh, Christians left, no more light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, no candles lit. Bingo. That is exactly the answer that I would have given. Exactly. Continue on. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Ah, see there. See there. It's the light of the world. You're little lights, folks. A born again, a new creature in Christ Jesus Christian is a little light. We have, we, we're supposed to shine the, we're, we're a mirror, we're supposed to be a mirror of the light of Christ in our life. And that's what we were for generations like we were talking about at the beginning of the program. Even as a minority of the world, and we turn this book that we have in our hand, from 1600 on, we turned the world upside down. With Christian converts, the Word of God. Even in the face of every kind of adversity you can imagine. Even through the Dark Ages, when the whore was killing us by the millions, the word of God and Christians held true. And the more we were persecuted, the stronger we got. Rome tried to kill us out. The heathen tried to kill us out. The quote-unquote Catholic Church tried to kill us out. Now we're killing our own self out. Suicide. Racial suicide because we fell in love with the world and the things that are in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life we bought what the world was selling and the god of this world was selling as a people i'm speaking about now like me and brother kevin was talking about this morning and I can, I'll spit and spatter and spew and holler. To, and I don't, turn it off if you don't like to hear it. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. That ain't squat, that ain't talking about a world system because he says the things that are in the world then tells you what they are. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And you can tie everything in. That, can, that, that the television puts out, the newspaper puts out, Hollywood puts out, the political correctness puts out, the government puts out. You can put everything. You can, you can find the roots in that and money. And the love of money is the root of all evil. But if you just, that's, that's the kind of stuff, that's where the battles take place. We don't war against flesh and blood. And the God of this world knows that. 
That's why your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is the most important thing. The most important thing that you have in this world. If it's good, you'll walk the straight and narrow. If it's not, you'll stray wide. It's just that simple. And you have to work at it. Work out your own salvation, Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, with fear and trembling. But he didn't say work for because you don't work for. It's work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God that worketh in you. He's the one doing the working, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And for his pleasure to be worked out in you, your pleasures have to take a back seat. That's why Paul said in Romans 12, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he starts out in verse 1, Brethren, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, a living dead man, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable service. In the light of what the God manifest in the flesh did for you, it's a reasonable thing to ask you to die to, die, to put this flesh to die to self and live for him. Paul said in Galatians 2, 24, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith, the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So if you want to complain about the darkness in this world, then turn up the gas on your lamp. Do something about your lamp. That's all you can do because that's what you're going to give an account for is what you do, not what the heathen does, not what your brother does, but what you do. For every man shall give an account of himself to Christ. Not what his wife did, not what his children did, not what his brother-brother-in-law did, not what his daddy did, and not what the world's doing around him. But he or she herself or he himself, what you do? And the Lord can take one person and start a movement. Hey, we all tend to think that it is we're in the in the in the death rolls of the last days of this age. Because the scripture seems to bear it out in the stuff we talk about later, you'll see what I'm some of the stuff I'm talking about. 
But who knows if the Lord peradventure would take one person, if they got it right, and took that one step. Because a movement always starts with a man. But it's a man, and it becomes a movement. It always starts with one person. Look back at the movements. Look at John West. Look at John Calvin. Okay? John Wycliffe. The men of the church. Irenaeus. Polycarp. Ignatius. That the Lord used. Starts with one. Her adventure, maybe the Lord has got a period of time. I've told you there is only one possibility that I see in the whole scripture. And it's found in the book of Micah. But do I think that we're that that's absolutely going to happen? As far as I'm concerned now, no. But hey, with God all things are possible. With man, you know, whatever. But with God all things are possible. And it might be you. But you've got to obey first. If so be the Lord would call it to be you. You never know. Continue on, Brother David. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they which, which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. Now, here we go. Now, yeah, they got to take him before the leaders. Take him before the half bunch of Edomites and, and a bunch of Israelites as well. Don't ever forget that. Let's see what they say. Go ahead, brother. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. <laughs> here comes the Hebrew roots bunch. Go ahead, brother. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed, and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees. See, some this, of the Pharisees, not all of them, folks. Got to watch this stuff close. These words mean stuff. Go ahead, brother. This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. <laughs> uh. There you go. Hebrew roots, seven-day Adventist. Uh, this bunch out there, it, it, it just makes me sick. Go ahead, brother. 
Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. There, there's your division. Go ahead, brother. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him, that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him, that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not, or Who hath opened his eyes? We know not. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. They're scared. Go ahead, brother. These words spake his parents, because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. I I could stop right here at verse 22 and spiritualize this verse and just show you wickedness run rampant in not only in the body of Christ, but those that profess to be in the body of Christ. But that one verse right here. He saw an example of it before the program started in the chat room. The troll it happens all the time. Happens all the time. Everybody, the body is supposed to be fitly joined together, and not one member can say to the the next member, "I have no need of thee." See, the foot can't say to the hand, "I have no need of thee." But we're supposed to be fitly joined together, walking in the same stride, though our offices in the body may be different. You know, there was a time back, oh, I guess it's been over 12 years ago, when I tried to do a study. I I did it for about four months. I tried to put together the major denominations as bodies, as members of the body, and figure out the office of that body. I thought about that. Over there, I took and went back to um, about 320. I started out with the original, what was original believers, and then when it turned in 325 A.D., when it became the Catholic Church, started there and went through the denominations on into the Reformation and prior Reformation with the Anabaptists and the Paulicians and Huguenots. And I tried to put together a body of Christ of those different sect of believers on into the present. It was pretty interesting because it seemed like some of the certain things that they believed and some of the certain things they done didn't contradict in the end. It's just like I've made mention before. When this country, America, was founded, you had two basic denominations. You had Presbyterian and Methodist. And the Presbyterian and Methodist met with one another, swapped churches, fellowshiped with one another. They just never brought up the doctrine of eternal security. 
because the Presbyterians believed in election and the Methodists didn't. But yet they fellowshiped and loved one another. That's the way it's supposed to be, folks. And if you believe that I'm making it up, go check me out. Telling you the truth. But anyway, I just want I just want to say a little bit. Go ahead, brother. Verse twenty three. Therefore said his parents, He is of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind, and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Okay, this man still don't he still don't believe in Christ. He still hadn't, you know, made no quote unquote decision for the Lord. Like I said originally, the Lord in his sovereign will and foreknowledge picks this guy out and using him for an example. It does, the, the, the scriptures don't tell us how many this this um, example that the Lord used, how many it had an influence on at a later date. Because remember back up, um, back up in the chapter, his neighbors were all around, and they're watching this thing going on. Hey, it's just like you. No man, Paul says in Romans 14, no man liveth to himself, and no man died to himself. Your actions have an effect on somebody. Unless you live out on a desert island and never go and, and never go around anybody, okay? No matter how much you try to give away, you still have to deal with people. You're supposed to be a light, remember? You're supposed to be shining in a dark place. For the ones that are in darkness to see, and the Lord and the Spirit of God works in these people's lives, works on these people, and not only the lost, which is ultimately in the Lord's hand. Either way. But in your brother and sister hands. Love the Lord. What's the two great commandments? Love the Lord thy God with all the heart, mind, body, and soul, and thy neighbor as thyself. Your actions affect others. See, you don't give a tinker's damn. See, a lot of you don't give a tinker's damn about your neighbor. Bet you you claim to love them. Because your actions speak louder than your words. Been guilty of it many times myself. We have to we have to walk circumspectly. Paul said, put it this way. I keep my I keep my body under. Least when I preach to others, I myself become a castaway. That's the way the apostle Paul puts it. That's the reason he says in Corinthians, yes, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I'll not be brought under the power of any. Paul tells you in Romans 14, 
the same thing, but uses different words in Romans 14. To the pure, all things are pure. But if it makes my brother to stumble, I'll not do it as long as the world standeth. And the context of that is special days, feast days, what you can eat, what you can't eat, what you can drink, what you can't drink, all this nitpicky stuff that I'll deal with tomorrow night about this Hebrew roots crap. Okay? And this bunch of lawyers you've got in our persuasion. Paul had to deal with the same thing. Next verse, brother. Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. Ah, yes. What? Let's, let's bring this up to date and put it in the modern vernacular. I'm a New Testament Christian. I'm a New Covenant Christian. The book of Hebrews makes it plain. Well, I, 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 the law still in effect. I, I, I spend more time in the Torah. In the Nabin and the Kethubin. Is that right? What do you think this New Testament, what do you, how come you think all those scriptures are there in the epistles? They're, and they're all Old Testament references explaining to you what that you find in the Old Covenant. What's applicable to you today is explained in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. If there's any doubt, all you have to do is go to Acts chapter 15, and it clears it up once, finally, and forever, in the only council that ever met and presided under the Holy Spirit of God and came to the right conclusion. We'll get into that tomorrow night. Continue on, Brother David. There's another interesting thing here as well, and that is you, here's a good example. You can see how the Lord Jesus is allowing the enemy, he's, he's using them sure. as well as his word to get people to do deep soul searching about who is this Jesus. Amen. What am I going to do amen. with Jesus? Amen, 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 brother. And, and this guy ends up making a decision for Jesus because they hounded him so much. If they had left him alone, he might have just shrugged his shoulders and walked away. No telling, no yeah. telling. Okay, verse 29. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, why, herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but any man be a worshiper of God, and doeth his will, him he heareth. Amen. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. 
They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? You see, they, that, see those at that ad hominem attack? <laughs> oh, bring it. Don't go born in sins. That ain't got nothing to do with it, what he just got through telling them. Hey, I once was blind, now I see. Hey, if, if God, unless a man hears God, does his words and his will, he don't get, he, he, these things can't happen. And you're, you're sitting here trying to tell me this man's a sinner. Continue, brother, verse 35. And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Ah, here comes the conversion now. After all that, see, the Lord, in his wisdom, did everything what you've seen prior as an example and a witness against these, half of these, at least half, maybe more, of these Pharisees, these Jew, these Edomite Jews that were in the priesthood, as a witness against them. They'll, at the day of judgment, they'll have no excuse. There'll be no excuse. Or as Paul says, thou art without excuse, O man. In Romans chapter 2. And he's talking to the Jews there in Romans 2. Continue, brother. Verse 36. He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. He didn't say, I believe, and just went on about his merry way. He didn't say, I believe, and nothing changed at all. From what we, what little bit we have, what did he do first? The first thing he does is show a sign of true love, and he worshipped. See? He worshipped him. He fell in love with Jesus right there on the spot. Those people out there can't stand for me to talk about loving the Lord Jesus Christ, even though they're cursed if they don't. That old BS detector, Brother David. Amen. <laughs> Verse 39, brother. <clears throat> and Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see and that they which see might be made blind. See there? There will be no excuses. Made blind. There, there will be. Remember when he, back in the book of Matthew, when we dealt with all the parables and everything, how Jesus said he spoke in parables for what reason, Brother David? So that they would not understand and turn and and repent and be healed. That's exactly right. Some people cannot stand those verses. Especially the free willers out there. He specifically spoke in parables that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not hear, least at any time they see with their eyes and hear with their ears, be can come unto me and I should 
they'd be converted and I should heal them. That's almost a direct quote. It's close enough. Continue on, Brother David. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. See how contradictory that is. See, he's talking spiritual, folks. This is the problem you've got out there today. He's talking spiritual. There's a bunch out there, especially in our persuasion, all they think is literal. All they think is the natural and the literal. They don't understand the spirit. You can tell when they open their mouth. The things that they love. It was God manifest in the flesh himself that says set your affections not on things down here. Set your affections on things above. And the Apostle Paul reiterated the same thing. Your affections, your love. You know what affection is. You don't have to go to the Greek to get that. Folks, the time, like the Lord said earlier in this verse, the time coming when no man can work, it's rushing in. It's going down the side of the mountain, rushing right in our face like a grease ball bearing. And we talk about that kind of stuff before the program starts. For you downloaders, we talk about that kind of stuff before the program starts. About the condition that society is in. I'm talking about our people's society. Because it's our book, folks. It's our book. It's not, it's, it, it, it's, it's primarily our book. And when it and when this book throughout from Genesis to Revelation, it speaks about the other ninety three percent or whatever it is of the world of the world in passing. And when it and when it has something to do with the people of the book, you have to keep that in mind when you're studying the scripture. That pearl of great price. The price that was paid for John 3.16 was the blood was shed for the whole world. And they, nobody can go to no Greek, nowhere, and come up with anything any different. I don't care how they try to. But see, the Father knows. The Lord Jesus knows to get the pearl of great price of just God would shed the blood for everyone so there would be no excuses. And there will be no excuses. None. How could, just imagine, I was thinking about this this week, um, about the Apostle Paul, how he how the Lord gave him a 
special revelation and on the road to Damascus. And then he spent those three years in the wilderness being taught personally by the Lord. Which Paul had an up on us. He, he told us to be like him, which he's the only one other than the Lord Jesus that ever made the statement, be ye as I am, follow me. He's the only one that the Holy Spirit allowed to write that down other than the Lord himself. There's a reason for that. But I thought about it, and the Lord's one it made. The, the Lord clear, clears these things up if you just believe what you read. When he was in the upper room, he told him, he said, you guys believe, y'all, y'all are blessed because you believe, but there's those that are going to be more blessed because they have not seen. And I got to thinking about that. That's the, eth- that's the essence of faith. Which and this is simple, simplistic stuff, folks. Okay, I'm not trying to talk down to you like your child. I'm sure you're getting what I'm saying. Surely, to goodness. That's why the words faith and believe are different, though they have the same structure. And all them reprobates out there that try to change the word faith to believe—that's what they are, reprobate. There's a reason for that. There's a reason there's faith and belief. It's 18 inches. (laughs) It's 18 inches, folks. It's the difference between the head and the heart. Think about those things. Think about those things. Okay, Brother David. I I have a question here about this. Go Um, ahead. Go ahead, Chief. I was wondering by Jesus' words when he said, if ye were blind... Ye should have no sin, but now ye say, we see, therefore your sin remaineth. Was he saying that these guys understood yeah. who he was? Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely yes. Okay. And that's, that's why their sin remained. They knew he was the Christ. That's correct, because if they, if they, if they were blind, he would have healed their sight. Mm. You see yeah. what I'm saying? But since yeah. they see, they're blind. You see, it's a spiritual application. It's a spiritual mm-hmm. meaning. And I'm sure they went away with their tongue sticking out the side of their mouth, spinning their head around, because they didn't have a clue what he was talking about. Period. The spiritual is the spiritual admonition. And yes, they were responsible for what they heard. And yes. once they uh, well, they were responsible, then they saw. You understand? Mm-hmm. That's the reason he said, you see, but yet you're blind. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you Do you follow it? David, do you understand? Yes, I, I, I believe so, yes. But I, I was just wondering that that they did see, but they chose the wrong. They chose to reject. I thought that's what I said. Okay. You're absolutely correct, brother. Oh, okay. You're, you're spot on. Maybe yes. I'll just be a bit more plainer when I speak. Anyway, what we're going to do now, folks, um, what time is it, brother? I don't, I don't know if we even got time. Um, 8.02. We've been on an hour, or oh, how much over an hour we've been on, Brother Kevin? Uh, well, not. I don't remember exactly what time we started, but we've been recording for 55 minutes. Okay, that's what I wanted to know. Thank you, Brother. I should have asked that question. I forgot that you could tell. Anyway, Brother David, if you would, 
while I'm talking, go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 13, okay? Certainly. Uh, now, now, I'm going to explain. Tonight, we're going to spend a little time, and, and we're going to read. Let's see, 1, 2, 3, I'm trying to think in my head. Isaiah 13, 14, Isaiah 34, Jeremiah 50 and 51. Isaiah chapter, I did say Isaiah chapter, so I'm trying to think in my head. Anyway, what I'm going to show y'all is when I'm teaching prophecy, this is where, this is the difference between a moderate historicism, and there, there's three classes, by the way, I've taught y'all in the past, and I know Brother Chad and his wife, but since they've been listening to all the downloads, they've heard me explain this before, but there's always new folks the followers and the, the the ones that subscribe and stuff in YouTube can, are, is rising every week. The followers here on Talks here are rising. The downloaders are growing. So I know there's new folks. So I, I have to explain this. And if you've heard it before and you already understand it, bear with me, okay, of what I'm fixing to say. When studying prophecy and when going, especially the Old Testament prophets, Whenever they say you in in our in our canonized scripture, there'll be chapters. And the way the Word of God was originally written, it didn't have the chapter and verses. You you I'm, you you folks know all that, I'm sure. But anyway, to the point. When you're reading something in the old prophets, what they say, they mean what they say. This is the difference between literal interpretation and allegorical interpretation. More of your allegorical interpretist, I guess that's a word, I'm going to use it anyway, the ones that interpret allegorically the scriptures, 99% of them are, are hardline historicists. There's praetorists. The praetorists believed that everything except for maybe one or two chapters in the book of Revelation was fulfilled in 70 A.D. That's the praetor's position, okay? Historicists are semi-praetorists, all right? They believe that you can't see prophecy being fulfilled until after it happens. That's, the, that's the, my, the, my, our mainline historicists. They're allegorical interpreters. All right. That's what they, they you see, any of them you study. That's what you'll wind up. There's a, there's a few. There's a few now that are different, but very few. The majority are absolutely they interpret allegorically. Very few things. Well, they'll take. They, you've heard me say it before. They'll take and literalize what they want to, and what they don't understand, they'll allegorize. That's the way they do it. Okay. They forgot. And then the next camp, the third camp, is the futurist. All right? You say, well, where do you stand? I'm a, a very moderate historicist and futurist. And now I'm going to explain to you why. Let the Word of God explain to you why. This is not my opinion. It's, ri it's written for anybody to read. And anybody to see that understands Scripture, that understands spiritual things. The chapters we're going to read, I want you to listen to the language. All right? 
How, they were and and then what we're going to do? We're going to read what the Old Testament prophets said. We're going to see if it it took place in history, like the historicists say, of which they're right to some degree. And then we're going to go in to the book of Revelation, and I want you to watch the language and see how John on the Isle of Patmos prophesied it future, a future happening himself. Now, see, a lot of the good, there, there's some good historicists, okay? There's some good ones. They understand this to a certain degree, and a lot of them are starting to change their mind, and I, I've noticed that out there in amongst the brethren, and they're wise. They're listening to the Lord. Because there can be only, there can be one fulfillment of, of, of prophecy, two fulfillments, even maybe three fulfillments according to the Lord's timetable. We do not know. That day and hour is kept back from us. Only the Father in heaven knows. And the Lord knows. The Lord Jesus knows now because he's there. So as we go, as Brother David reads these chapters, I'm going to try not to interfere too much and stop him too much, which I, you know me, I probably won't be able to do it, make some comments. But we're going to see how it, the, the prophecies that Isaiah and Jeremiah prophesied and Obadiah were fulfilled at one time, but not the way the Scriptures say. So... See, this is where people see the re that's the reason allegorical interpretation has to be used to make the scriptures out to be true and not contradict or tell something that's wrong. Not so. Not so. So I want you to watch the word and we'll see if they that that's those scriptures were fulfilled. Completely. And we'll see that they'll be used again, even though they were fulfilled in history. There's a future prophecy using the same scriptures to be fulfilled later. So what does that right there tell you? Somebody's wrong. Okay? The wisest man that ever lived covered covered the ball game. In the first and second the first and third chapter of his book of Ecclesiastes, if people would just believe what they read and never forget that when studying the Word of God, there's nothing new under the sun. Number one, and God requires that which is past. In other words, whatever's going to come, God's going to require that which has already happened. I don't know why my historicist brethren cannot get this. And see, on the, on the flip side of that, you've got some of the, the hyper-futurists that just absolutely keep pushing stuff in the future, pushing stuff in the future. All that's got to be, that's a fulfillment for the future. That, not necessarily. You've got to understand both single dual fulfillment of prophecy. And rightly divide the word of truth, like Paul tells you in 2 Timothy 3.15. 2.15, excuse me. See, that's what the scriptures say. That's not my opinion. We're going to go and see what Isaiah says about Babylon, folks. 
Okay, okay. You people that know history realize that Babylon was conquered by Cyrus the Great. And Cyrus the Great was the one, that was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. The first fulfillment. Because you're going to see the language in both Isaiah 50 and 51 and Isaiah chapter 13 and 14 when the the, the context is Babylon, you're going to see that that's impossible that that you close that that you should close the door on the fulfillment of prophecy in those chapters of the scripture speaking of Babylon. There has to be a future fulfillment, and we find out that in Revelation chapter seventeen and eighteen with mystery Babylon. See. I even know some hardcore historicists that can't get around that one. So I want you, and Cyrus the Great, remember how it tells you in Daniel? How Daniel talks about it. We know Cyrus took Babylon hardly without a shot. They dug under, they went into the uh, underground tunnels to come in when the water was down, let the water down, came in, took it, Overnight, no problem, no big deal. No sieges, no no, no mighty bloodshed, none of that stuff. But let's see what the prophecies say. And in Isaiah chapter 13, Brother David's going to read that one. And I want you all to notice the familiarities, if you've got a pad and a piece of paper, right down. When you hear the same things over and over again, the similarities, write them down. Because when we go to Revelation, we're going to see the final fulfillment, the second fulfillment of the prophecy. With the possibility, I said possibility, of a third fulfillment. Because God requires that which is past. There's nothing new under the sun. That which has been shall be again. There's nothing new under the sun, folks. Start reading, brother. Isaiah 13, verse 1. The burden of Babylon which Isaiah, the son of Amos, did see. Lift ye up a banner upon the high mountain. Exult the voice unto them. Shake the hand, that they may go into the gates of the nobles. Okay, I've I, I, I got to stop you right there and just make this comment, because before too long we're going to do a, a program, and I'm going to deal with this subject in a big, in a big way. I, I think I might have dealt with it before, but we're going to do a, um, a show on the giants of the Bible, okay? And in, and, I, and you know me, I'm straight King James, and the, there's only a couple places where I've ever got Brother David to go to the Greek translation of the Old Testament and, and read that. But it's interesting what they, it says in the Septuagint right here when it talks about um, these sanctified ones, when he calls them forth in the Septuagint, he says, I command giants, Giborim, that's what the word is, Giborim, to come out of these gates. And, and this, is not, this is all through the Old Testament, folks. All through the Old Testament. Because in the, in the, in the future, let me, let me slow down where you get the I got, I got to get this. This is just eating in my craw. I've got to get this out right now because the Lord showed it to me yesterday. I hadn't thought about it before. 
You say, oh, this is just speaking allegorically or metaphorically or whatever, okay? I have took you guys before, and when we do the program and we go back and see where these guys are coming from and how they literally are going to come, not according to me, but according to the Word of God. See, that's another thing, the supernatural, the acceptance of supernatural believing supernaturally in the scripture and over this 2,000 year period of just shall live by faith, everything's been by faith and not by sight. Well, it's coming a time when this age ends. Alright? And when that period of time called Jacob's trouble takes place, all bets are off. But when the Lord was resurrected, did anything come out of the ground other than him, Brother David? That the Old Testament saints came up out of Sheol. That's exactly correct. And guess what? Right after the Antichrist is wounded unto death and revives, and the whole world marvels at him, something comes up out of the ground after his supposed resurrection. Type, antitype. Type, antitype. I just wanted to get that out. I'll show it to y'all when we do the program. Keep on reading, Brother David. Watch the language, folks. I have commanded my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones for mine anger, even them that rejoice in my highness. The noise of a multitude in the mountains, like as of a great people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together. The Lord of hosts mustereth the host of the battle. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even the Lord and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. Do you think that Cyrus came from the ends of heaven? This has never happened, folks, what you're reading here. This has never happened. We read this the other night to get to one verse, okay, about people going back to their own countries. Because of what was be what we were talking about this this ill this bunch of heathens being pushed in on us, but this never happened with Cyrus. Continue on, brother. Howl ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. That should be a that right there. The day of the Lord, the time of Jacob's trouble, the day of wrath. Those are catch words that ought to be stuck in your spiritual crawl. Because whenever you see them. You, well, I must need to. I, I need to study the day of the Lord. What is the day of the Lord? It's stretched out over a, a, a certain period of time. We find out in the Book of Revelation. It's when God pours out His wrath on the on an unbelieving world, according to Paul, according to Peter, and according to all the Old Testament prophets, according to Jude, and according to John. The day of the Lord. Continue, brother. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. And they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, 
cruel both with wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate and and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it for the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light the sun shall be darkened in his going forth you bible these bible you bible students doesn't this ring familiar with you where have you seen this before these very words, where have you, where have you people that read your Bible, where have you seen this before? You saw it in the book of Revelation. Yes. That's where you saw it. And you're going to see it again and again and again. He's talking about Babylon, folks. And it ha- it's going to happen to some, not even Babylon, it's going to happen to the world. Continue on, brother. And the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil, and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease, and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man than the gold wedge of Orphur. Okay, going to make my man very few left. That's why Paul says, Oh, like the weeds which are alive and remain, indicating very few. Continue on, brother. Therefore, I will shake the heavens, and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts, and in the day of his fierce anger. And it shall be as the chased roe, and as a sheep that no man taketh up. They shall Every man turned to his own people and flee every one into his own land. Okay, another thing I want to explain to you folks. You hear a lot of, is, is, if you listen to a lot of people that preach and teach, you hear some of us go and pull out one verse of Scripture, like this verse right here, and we will find another verse of Scripture and another verse of Scripture that says the same thing or is correlated in the same context. Okay? You know, that's why the ones that obey Isaiah 28 in their interpretation of Scripture, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here little and there little, are obedient to the interpretation of the Word of God. See, that's not my opinion. That's what the book says. Does it not, Brother David? It certainly does. It says exactly that. So keep that in mind when you listen to the metaphorical and allegorical teachers. Continue on, Brother. Everyone that is found shall be thrust through, and everyone that is joined unto them shall fall by the sword. Their children also shall be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses shall be spoiled and their wives ravished. Behold, I will stir up the Medes against them, which shall not regard silver, and as for gold, they shall not delight in it. Their bows also shall dash the young men to pieces. Okay, this is where you run across, these Medes, you run across the scripture, and you run across some of the names of these countries, like it talks about the Chaldees a little bit later. There's no place called the Chaldees today. Okay? 
common sense dictates that it's talking about something else, somebody else, okay? You have to keep that in mind as well. The Lord made that plain in the Gospels. Okay? So don't forget that. Continue on. Their bows also shall dash, dash the young men to pieces, and they shall have no pity on the fruit of the womb. Their eye shall not spare children. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees, excellency, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. There is no way that fire fell from heaven whenever Cyrus the Great came into Babylon. Am I right, Brother David? <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. <laughs> and, <coughs> excuse me. And the ones that say that this is a fulfillment of that prophecy, you, you, you make people, you make infidels. You make infidels that come and read the book, they will never have their line. And see, this is what the ones that teach the allegory part, oh, this allegorical right here. No, it's allegorical when it's impossible to take literally or either the scripture tells you and dictates that it's allegory. That's the, you obey the scriptures themselves. Continue, Brother David. It shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation, neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there. Well, his tent's pitched there today. Yes. Seems like we uh, spent 10 years over there with our boys out of America and, and some of the rest of our nations over there. Now, did the Word of God lie or is it telling the truth, see? Well, see, that's just allegorical. See, that's the way they get out of it. Continue on, brother. And even uh, I remember reading about Saddam Hussein. He was trying to rebuild the, the city of Babylon. I don't know how far he got before he got killed, but he was. There's some good there's some good video on uh, on YouTube that shows um, what he did over there. Mm-hmm. Y'all check it out sometime. Yes. Okay, I'll continue. Neither shall the shepherds make their fold there, but wild beasts of the desert shall lie there, and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures, and owls shall dwell there, and satyrs shall dance there. Oh man, another place in the in the Greek, except in the Septuagint, it says monsters shall be there. Okay, you know what satyrs are, don't you? I mean, oh, that's just fictitious stuff. You just keep on believing that. Okay, you you just keep on believing because that we've been programmed to think this way, folks. With secular humanism, we have. I even the quote unquote body of Christ has gotten away from the supernatural aspect of the interpretation of scriptures. Okay? With secular humanism and science falsely so-called, which you were warned against, only in a King James Bible, 1 Timothy 6, verse 20, has made you think that all this stuff was either myths and all that stuff, I, and I could start using illustrations of stuff where people thought, oh, this, that was all myth, and then they found out it was true. And never apologize about it, and they could, may never make a big deal out about being wrong. Oh, there's, there's a day coming when there's a lot of folks 
going to make a big deal out of being wrong. Because it's a time like not has been since the earth, since creation, nor ever shall be. Let that sink in. You hear me talk about it ad nauseum. Let that sink in. That's what Michael told Daniel, and that's what the Lord told you and I. A time coming that's going to be worse than it's ever been since creation or ever shall be again. That's a pretty rough time. Wouldn't you say so, Brother David? Yes, it is the worst of the terrible days. Continue on, Brother. Verse 22. And the wild beasts of the islands shall cry in their desolate houses, and dragons in their pleasant palaces. And her time is near to come, and her days shall not be prolonged. Next chapter. Now the Lord's going to talk about Israel first. He's going to talk about us first. Watch what he says. Pick up on the things he says about us. He's going to go in to be start talking about Babylon again. Then he's going to talk about Lucifer. Okay? Watch the things that happen. Watch the, you see, people say, well, Lucifer, that just means the shining light. That's the morning star. All that stuff. Okay? I don't care if you call him HR Puffin stuff. You know what it means. I know what it means. And the ones that, that deny it know what it means. So what's the big deal? It's still going to be talking about Babylon. This didn't happen with Nebuchadnezzar. Nor forward did it ever happen. This stuff never happened again. It never happened. But it's going to. Continue, brother. I'm not going to stop you. I'm going to let the word of God speak. I ain't stopping you the rest of this chapter. Go ahead. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 1. For the Lord will have mercy on Jacob and will yet choose Israel and set them in their own land. And the strangers shall be joined with them and they shall cleave to the house of Jacob. And the people shall take them and bring them to their place. And the house of Israel shall possess them in the land of the Lord for servants and handmaids. And they shall take them captives, whose captives they were. And they shall rule over their oppressors. And it shall come to pass in the day that the Lord shall give thee rest from thy sorrow, and from thy fear, and from thy, the hard bondage wherein thou wast made to serve, that thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon, and say, How hath the oppressor ceased? The golden city ceased. The Lord hath broken the staff of the wicked and the scepter of the rulers. He who smote the people in wrath with a continual stroke, he that ruled the nations in anger is persecuted and none hindereth. The whole earth is at rest and is quiet. They break forth into singing. Yea, the fir trees rejoice at thee, and the cedars of Lebanon sing. Since thou art laid down, no feller is come up against us. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. 
It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It shall raise up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. All they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of thy vials, the worm, is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the midst of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake the kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? All the kings of the nations, even all them, lie in glory, every one in his own house. But thou art cast out of thy grave like an abominable branch, and as the raiment of those that are slain thrust through with a sword that go down to the stones of the pit as a carcass trodden under the feet. Thou shalt not be joined with them in burial, because thou hast destroyed thy land and slain thy people, the seed of evildoers, shall never be renowned. Prepare slaughter for his children, for the iniquity of their fathers, that they do not rise, nor possess the land, nor fill the face of the world with cities. For I will rise up against them, said the Lord of hosts, and cut off from Babylon the name and remnant and son and nephew, said the Lord. I will also make it a possession for the bittern and pools of water, and I will sweep it with the besom of destruction, saith the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts hath sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have... I can't help it, brother. The Lord swears that this is going to take place, folks. Do you get it? The Lord swears. Go ahead, brother. The Lord of hosts hath sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass, and as I have purposed, so shall it stand, that I will break the Assyrians in my land, and upon my mountains tread him underfoot. Then shall his yoke depart from off them, and his burden depart from off their shoulders. This is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out upon all the nations. For the Lord of hosts hath purposed, and who shall disannul it? 
and his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? In the year that King Ahaz died, was this burden? Rejoice not thou, whole Palestinia, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken. For out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice, and his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent. And the firstborn of the poor shall feed, and the needy shall lie down in safety, and I will kill the root with famine, and he shall slay thy remnant. Howl, O gate, cry, O city, thou whole Palestinia, art dissolved, for there shall come from the north a smoke, and none shall be alone in his appointed times. What Shall one then answer the messengers of the nation that the Lord hath founded Zion and the poor of his people shall trust in it? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> now I know he, if you spend any time in the scripture, go ahead and be turning to Isaiah 34, brother. Certainly. I know that you've probably noticed if you've read the Old Testament quite a bit and especially the prophets, you've noticed that always the destruction when the Lord's going to do it always comes from the north. Huh. I wonder why. Have you read Ezekiel 38 and 39? It's from the north. It's always from the north. You see, a lot of your quote-unquote Bible scholars and theologians will try to say, well, this is this wording here. The the reason the prophets wrote this was because and when during the, the Jews time when they were in the land, when they were in the in the old during the old covenant, that their attackers had to come from the north. That's what they'll say. I've heard them. They'll try to say, well, it's just because that's what the Old Testament prophets were used to. No, no, that's not. That may have happened, but that's not the reason in the future. This has never happened before, folks. Babylon was never destroyed like this. You're really going to see it when it taught when it's going to in in Jeremiah 50 and 51. And it even talked about Nebuchadnezzar didn't fall like that, neither did Darius or none of the rest of the kings of Babylon. I told you Cyrus the Great took it almost without a shot. Anybody can go check this out. That's why. That's why they say it's allegory. That is some, but some will take the other extreme and try to tell you, no, what's going to happen is all that money America spent over there, they're going to go back and rebuild Babylon again, and sometime in the future it's really going to be a big city, and then that's when it's going to be destroyed. Well, see, that's your hyper-futurists that say that. Well, you're going, when you get to the book of Revelation, you find out it's mystery Babylon, which completely throws a monkey wrench into things. Anyway, now to Isaiah chapter 34. I wanted, as we're going through this Babylon thing, I wanted to hit Isaiah 34 and Obadiah and, and show you, and, and Zechariah chapter 14, and show you there is two groups of people that the Lord has cursed for destruction. Oh, our brethren out there in the Judeo-Christian world don't like this one. They don't like this one. They'll try to tell you that what you're fixing to read 
took place when uh, the Israelite wars with John, with uh, when John Hyrcanus went in and took Edom, and took, and that's when the Edomites got mixed up, and that's how the Edomites got in to the Pharisees' position and everything. Which they'll stop short of telling you that that that's who the Jew is, really. Okay, and the Khazars the one wound up in Khazaria, the Edomite. Okay, the half breed. They'll, they'll, they'll stop short of going that far. They'll just take what they want to take, okay? But you're going to see here in Isaiah 34 in the prophecy about Edomia and in Obadiah, watch the context, watch the wording. That didn't happen with John or Canis. Like I said here, this never happened with Babylon. Half of the fulfillment, yes. Babylon was taken by Cyrus, yes. But the details did not happen then. Every word of God is pure. Thy word, O Lord, is true from the very beginning, and all thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Isaiah 34, brother. Verse 1. Come near, ye nations, to hear and hearken. Ye people, let the earth hear. And all that is therein, the world, and all things that come forth of it. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and his fury upon all their armies. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry, brother. Did, are you sure that that didn't say it's only on one nation? All nations. That's what it says, doesn't it? Does it not yes. say the whole world? <laughs> yes. Continue on, brother. And his fury upon all their armies. He hath utterly destroyed them. He hath delivered them to the slaughter. Their slain also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll. And all their hosts shall fall down as the leaf of falleth off from the vine and as the falling fig from the fig tree. That, one, that very verse right there is in Revelation chapter 6, folks. Did you know that? Yeah, I've told you this so many times. 95% of every verse in the book of Revelation comes out of the Old Testament prophets. Brother Chad's got a question. Yes, Brother Chad. It says, do you think Babylon today is a place, or is it Mystery Babylon only, the banking system, correct? Mystery Babylon the Great, brother, that is that is an excellent question. From the time of the Reformers, this is the first generation, brother, that, did, that the, the Reformed churches did not say that the Catholic Church was Mystery Babylon. This is the first generation since the Reformation. That the, that the mainstream Protestant church did not point to the Roman church as the Antichrist, the Pope as the Antichrist, and the, and the Vatican City as Mystery Babylon. This is the first generation. And there's a reason why there is people understanding a little different. I think the Roman religious system is the religion. It will be, it will be prostituted into Satanism. It already is to a certain degree, but it will be completely 
completely turned into Satanism. It will be the worship of the God of this world, but it'll, it'll be under the auspice of the Catholic Church. She's the one that's got two billion people, two billion members. That's a, I forget the, uh, how much of the population of the earth that is, but that, that, that's a whole bunch. But yeah, just saying it's a financial system, that, that won't fly with these prophecies that we're reading here. Because it talks about the people, the people of the land in Revelation. It talks, it calls his people out of her. And we'll get to that when we get when we go and read 17 and 18. Go ahead, Brother David. Did, does, that Palace, answer, does that answer your question, Brother Chad? I believe I did. It might be something else he wants to ask. He might be typing something else in. I have noted, Brother David, while I'm waiting on him. Yes. Okay, okay, good. But I've noticed, Brother David, um, myself, I've noticed how people, how um, mainstream Christianity, I don't know if if you ever got into it years ago like I did, but uh, how... Even Bible-believing Christianity is taking the hard hand off of off of, of off of the Roman Catholic Church today. Mm-hmm. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Yes, it's true. They have. That's right. And like I said, like I was telling Brother, this is the first generation this has ever happened. Continue on, brother. Would you would you say that Palestina, like the land of Palestine, Jerusalem, and the Roman Church, with its melding of all religions into one, would it be the capital, the Jerusalem, or somewhere in the Palestine? Oh, yes. See, that is a very good possibility, brother. And uh, the reason why is because because that place in the book of Revelation is called Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes. See there? Yes, sir. Yes. You're on the right path. Keep thinking that way, and the Lord will open some more doors for you, maybe. Show me some stuff. Continue okay. reading, brother. Verse 5. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon Idumea and upon the people of my curse to judgment. These people are cursed. Remember in Hebrews 12, when Esau sought the Lord with tears, and he couldn't gain repentance. That wasn't for Esau. Person, uh, that's for Esau's personal repentance. But his lineage, he married Canaanite women. That the Lord told Joshua, Moses, and Caleb to wipe out off the face of the earth, man, women, child, wipe them out, get them out of here. Total genocide. That's why a lot of people don't like... Right, there was a sister that used to listen to us and used to come in the chat room along um, months and months ago. She could not reconcile a God that would say, wipe out. Man, women, and children don't leave nothing breathing. She couldn't, she couldn't handle that. There's a lot of people that way, isn't there, Pastor? Oh, yes, there is, brother. They can't understand. They, uh, they absolutely, they try to try, try to say there's a, different, there's a different God in the Old Testament than the New Testament. There's a bunch out there that teach that. Mm. 
And unless they understand who the bunch got, it's merciful. What the Lord's doing is merciful because those people are hybrids from the line of the giants, from the Nephilim. That's the reason we're going to do a program on it, or a couple of programs, maybe three or four. That's why, that's what the Lord was doing, was getting that bunch out. It's all, it's, it's been about the plan from the very beginning. The seed of the serpent against the seed of God, which was Jesus Christ. It's been that two-seed line war ever since, the very beginning, at the very start. It's no different today. It's just in different forms and shadowed in different ways. You have to dig to find it. Yes, and, and we're dealing with these tares today just like Jesus said we would. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Folks, this, you can't beat this book with a beating machine. The words of words of God will stand when the world's on fire. Here's where your truth's at. The truth's not in a multi-word lying out one side of his mouth, telling the truth out the other side of his mouth, preacher out there. That, that leaves the book and goes to opinion all the time. Continue on, brother. And just for anyone who doesn't know, Idumea is Esau, Edom. Verse 6. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. It is made fat with fatness and with the blood of lambs and goats. Okay. With the pe- I just want to reiterate the people of my curse. Yeah, but John 3.16. Folks, I done told you. Hey, the Lord shed the blood for the world. I don't deny that. Never have. Ain't going to. He made it available. See, but you have to feel, you have to count, you have to add in the sovereignty of God. You have to add in the people of His choice. What the scriptures say. Let me, let me show you what, real quick, real quick, brother, turn okay. to Isaiah 19, real quick, and let me show them what I'm talking about. <clears throat> okay. Isaiah 19, verse, okay. I think it's, verse, it's around verse 20. And the context is what we're talking about, the end times, the context. It's the Isaiah 19, verse 22, or three, no, verse 25. Just read verse 24 and 25. Um, Chad's got another question. Okay, go ahead. Since my wife and I are halfway through Romans, did you ever do a show on the makeup of the congregation of heaven? You talking about the divine council? Brother Chad? The one, the the uh, the congregation of heaven that's there now, the principalities and powers and uh, the heavenly beings and and the ones that rule everything now, is that what you're talking about? If that's what he's talking about, I have a PDF that yes. I wrote up of of several days of your um, teaching. Yes, go ahead, absolutely. If you will, brother, get that to brother Chad. Yeah, he said yes. Okay, brother. Yeah, I did. A, I did programs on the divine council. I sure did. Probably going to do it again. And I've, I've I've got a little more stuff to add into it. I'll probably do the programs again. But brother David, when you have time and can put that, you know, in the chat room, I'd appreciate yeah. it for brother Chad. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. But uh, I want you to read Isaiah nineteen twenty four and twenty five first. Watch this, folks. This, this is just plain. This is just as plain and simple. The context of the day of the Lord. Read the whole chapter. 
when you no get time. time. I want you to go to this and read it, brother. Verse 24. In that day shall Israel be the third with Egypt and with Assyria, even a blessing in the midst of the land, whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, mine inheritance. Bingo. See there? See, folks? Don't, 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 don't. See, so when I'm telling you about this, the, the, the people the Lord has cursed and the people he's going to wipe out eventually, don't get upset with me. I'm, I'm just showing you in the scriptures. Go back to chapter 34 and continue on. Yes. Verse 6. The sword of the Lord is, oh, sorry, verse 7. And the unicorns shall come down with them, and the bullocks with the bulls, and their land shall be soaked with blood, and their dust made fat with fatness. Yeah, actually, verse 6, prior to this one verse, I only read half of it, so okay. I better read the other half. Okay. Um, let me start. It is made fat with fatness, and with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidneys of rams. For the Lord hath sacrifice in Basra, and a great slaughter in the land of Idumea. And the unicorns shall come down with them, and the bullocks with the bulls, and their land shall be soaked with blood, and their dust made fat with fatness. For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance, and the year of recompenses for the controversy of Zion. Then got squat to do with John Hercanus. Period. Continue, brother. Finish it on out. And the streams thereof shall be turned into pitch, and the dust thereof into brimstone, and the land thereof shall become burning pitch. It shall not be quenched night nor day. The smoke thereof shall go up forever from generation to generation it shall lie waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever. You ain't get no plainer than that. Continue on, brother. But the cormorant and the bittern shall possess it. The owl also and the raven shall dwell in it. And he shall stretch out upon it the line of confusion and the stones of emptiness. Remember about them birds you, we read about in the last part of Isaiah 13? Them cormorants and all that, the owls and all that stuff. Mm, yes, it's, it's the same thing. But this has got to do with the Edomia and the Edomites. Continue on, brother. They shall call the nobles thereof to the kingdom, but none shall be there. And all her princes shall be nothing. And thorns shall come up in her palaces, nettles and brambles in the fortresses thereof. And it shall be an inhabitation of dragons and a court for owls. The wild beasts of the desert shall also meet with the wild beasts of the island, and the satyr shall cry to his fellow. The screech owl also shall rest there, and find for herself a place of rest. There shall the great owl make her, her nest, and shall and lay, and hatch, and gather unto her shadow. There shall be the vultures also be gathered, every one with her mate. Okay. This first part of this verse to the colon, you better pay attention to what it says. Go ahead, brother. Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. No one of these shall 
fail, none shall want her mate, for my mouth it hath commanded, and his spirit it hath gathered them. No, he's just joking and 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 leaving it up to a man to make it be what he wants to. Verse seventeen, brother. <laughs> you both know I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Amen. And he hath cast the lot for them, and his hand hath divided it unto them by line. They shall possess it forever. From generation to generation shall they dwell therein. Absolutely. uh, Jeremiah chapter 50, brother. Uh, Since we're dealing with Adamia right here, go to Obadiah and read Obadiah. That's what I was thinking you wanted. Go to Obadiah. I'm there. Verse 1. The vision of Obadiah. Thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom, which is Idumea. Idumea is Edom in Greek. Right. We have heard a rumor from the Lord, and an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise ye, and let us rise up against her in battle. Behold, I have made thee small among the heathen. Thou art greatly despised. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Thou, hath, thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose inhabitation is high, that saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? Though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, Mm. Thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. Well, I can tell you allegorically, what do they call Hollywood? Isn't that the land of the stars? Yes. And and it's totally run by the Jews. In the clefts of the rock, the hills of Hollywood. There you go. (laughs) I continue on, brother. Verse 4. Verse 5, sorry. If thieves came to thee, if robbers by night... How art thou cut off? Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If the grape gatherers came to thee, would they not leave some grapes? How are the things of Esau searched out? How are his hidden things sought up? All the men of thy confederacy have brought thee even to the border. The men that were at peace with thee have deceived thee and prevailed against thee. They that eat thy bread have laid a wound under thee. There is none understanding in him. Oh, one of these days. Continue on, brother. Verse 8. Shall I not in that day, saith the Lord, even destroy the wise men of Edom and understanding out of the mount of Esau and thy mighty men O Teman, shall be dismayed to the end that every one of the Mount of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. Teman was a major city of Edom. Yep, sure was. Verse 10, For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. Read that again, brother. For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, Shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. Absolutely, folks. This is the people of his curse. According to Isaiah 34, and Esau could not even gain repentance from the Lord, though he sought it with tears. In Hebrews chapter 12, 
couldn't get it, though he sought it with tears. And the context of the chapter is the sonship and chastening of God. Oh, man. That'll preach. Go ahead, brother. If he had have repented, he would have divorced his wives, right? In the Old Testament sense, absolutely. Okay. Verse 11. In the day that thou stoodest on the, the reason, other side. The reason you know that that's true in the Old Testament sense was because Ezra and Nehemiah made the people do that. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. That's the reason I said that. Well, the reason I said the Old Testament sense. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Because the promised seed had not arrived yet. Mm-hmm. Continue on, brother. In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captives his forces, and foreigners entered into his gates and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou wast as one of them. But thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day that he became a stranger. Neither shouldest thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. Now, right there in the book of Obadiah, it tells you who the stranger is that it's talking about in First Peter chapter 1. <laughs> Go ahead, brother. The northern tribes became strangers. Yeah. See the separation between Israel and Judah there, folks? Yeah, I was talking to somebody on the phone this week and explaining this to them. I heard I, I got so sick and tired of hearing this Jew business from there. And and I I, I said, where old Abraham? He was a Jew. I said, they went, give me a break, man. The word Jew doesn't appear in your Bible until Second Kings sixteen six, and the Jews are at war with Israel. Oh my goodness, they don't know their Bible. They believe everything has been spewed out to them. Come on, brother. I don't want to start harping on that. In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces, and foreigners entered into his gates and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou wast as one of them. I just repeated that. Okay, verse 13. Thou shouldest not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Yea, thou shouldest not have looked on, looked on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor have laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. Was this fulfilled at one time, partial fulfillment? Absolutely, with John Arcanus in the intertestamental period. Folks, this is what I'm trying to show you. You can't, oh, that was fulfilled, and just go on. It ain't never going to happen. Uh-uh, you can't do that, not according to the Scripture, not according to what the whole book says. Continue on, brother. Neither shouldest thou have stood in the crossway to cut off those of his that did escape. Neither shouldest thou have delivered up those of his that did remain in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. Remember what I told you, just to write it to various, the, the day of the Lord. Remember the day of the Lord. Continue, brother. Also, we know that this from Isaiah 34 that we just read, it said that none of these princes, none of these uh, leaders, of these Edomites will be with God's people. 
Absolutely. We're going to find out no, something no. else. Absolutely. We're going to find out something about different in a few minutes. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, verse 16. For as ye have drunk upon my holy mountain, so, so shall all the heathen drink continually. Yea, they shall drink, and they shall swallow down, and they shall be as though they had not been. Whoa, that's some strong language, folks. They shall be as though they had not been. Hmm. In, in, in Isaiah 26 or 27, and it's talking, it's, the context is the day of the Lord as well. It talks about they are dead, they shall not rise. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, go ahead, brother. Verse 17. But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. And the house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau for stubble. And they shall kindle in them, and devour them, and there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau. Oh, my, I, that, that, my, and the ones that try to tell you this happened during the intertestamental period, intertestamental period, the ones that do that, they're the allegorists, folks. A lot of them are the allegorists, the historicists. That's what they'll tell you. And they and it, and it, it's, it was an oxymoron. What I don't forgot what you call it when yeah, they're they're not what they claim they are. they're not even true to their own claims and their profession because <clears throat> they don't know history. How could uh, John Urcanus have right. converted Esau the Edomites when it says that there will be none of the house of Esau remaining? Absolutely, brother. And Joseph was nowhere around. The, uh, Ephraim was nowhere around when this took place. Absolutely. Good point. <laughs> Go ahead, brother. For the Lord hath spoken it, and they of the south shall possess the mount of Esau, and they of the plain the Philistines, and they shall possess the fields of Ephraim and the fields of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. And the captive Gilead, sorry. And the captivity of his hosts, host of the children of Israel, shall possess that of the Canaanites, even unto Zarephath. And the captivity of Jerusalem, which is in Sepharad, shall possess the cities of the south. And saviors shall come up on Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau. And the kingdom shall be the Lord's. The kingdom is talking about the kingdom age, folks. Do y'all think you're in a kingdom age right now? No, you're in the spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of God. I heard a big Bible scholar this weekend. I'm talking about a Greek and Hebrew scholar. I ought to mention his name. Well known. Had to admit he was being interviewed on a radio program and he had, he admitted the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, and I I flipped out because I, I couldn't believe that he was admitting the truth, the difference in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Anyway, last two verses in Zechariah. Let's find out about them Canaanites. Which verse in uh, the last two chapter? verses in Zechariah? Okay, chapter fourteen, last two verses. Okay. 
Zechariah chapter 14, verse 20. In that day shall there be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord, and the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts. And all they that sacrifice shall come and take of them and seethe therein. And in that day there shall be no more the Canaanites in the house of the Lord of hosts. Absolutely. No more. No more. Uh, we, be, I'm, we won't even go to the, those two chapters in Jeremiah, folks. You can either go read it or take my word for it, what I'm telling you. In Isaiah and uh, Jeremiah 50 and 51, you can, you, if you're familiar with Revelation, turn to Revelation 17, 18 real quick, brother. Real okay. quick, we will hit it. We'll hit those two chapters. And you listen to the language. Every bit of it we've done, been to, especially in Jeremiah 50 and 51, all you, the language you'll hear coming up in Revelation 17 and 18 is exactly, exactly what you heard in, in, in uh, Jeremiah 50, uh, what you heard in Isaiah 13, 14. Things will take place there in the whole book of Revelation. You'll see all this stuff pop up again because that it hasn't been fulfilled yet. It wasn't fulfilled from the resurrection forward, so it's got to be fulfilled in the future. God's word cannot be broken. can't be explained away. Not one jot or tittle will fail. Read 17, 18 book of Revelation, brother, and we'll go ahead and close yes. tonight. For, uh, Revelation chapter 17, verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will shew unto thee the judgment of the great, day, great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Folks, listen. To put it just blunt, plain, and simple, and bottom line, before Brother David reads any more, everything about the hierarchy of this false church, this false religious system, the religious system called the Catholic Church, can every aspect of it has been proved years ago. Every bit of it dates all the way back to Nimrod and Semiramis. Every aspect is Nimrod and, and the Mary were all every aspect of it. You can find of the Catholic what the Catholic Church venerates today. It's a fake. It's a. It's a. It's like December the twenty fifth, Bale's birthday. Okay, they make it Christmas. I mean, that's just one little simple thing. 
Ashtaroth on Easter. That's another thing. All pushed by the Catholic Church. All, it, 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 she's a whore. She's a compromiser. To get wealthy and increase with goods and, and, and rule the kings of the earth. This religious system has compromised everything for political and for financial gain. I'm not saying about the people that, that I'm not talking about the Catholic people, folks. There's some fine Catholic folks out there. They're deceived. Okay? But the religious system of Mystery Babylon, and no doubt in my mind, like I said earlier, is the Catholic Church. Yes, and they're into ecumenism, that's which part, is that's the whorish part. They, yes, they, that's part of the prostitution of it. Okay, and that's the mystereism that they've always done, where they've always brought in the um, false gods of every religion, every idol, and brought it into the church and pronounced a Christian name on it. Absolutely, brother. Well said. Every bit of bit of that's documented in Alexander Hislop's book, The Two Babylons. Dr. Reverend Alexander Hislop wrote the most definitive work that's ever been put in print on this subject. I've mentioned it at least five times in the past. If you want to know the truth, you read Mystery Babylon by Alexander Hislop, and you'll, you, it's all documented with pictures, everything. Okay, And you'll never get it with one. I've read it three times back in the past when I read all the time, and I and never did get it all. Anyway, continue on, brother. Verse 6, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. 30 million plus during the dark ages. 30 million plus. Continue, brother. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her which hath the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was, and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. Very good. There is a death, a burial, and a resurrection, a fake death, burial, and resurrection right there. Remember what I said earlier in the program about the counterfeit, the antitype. When the Lord resurrected the graves opened in Jerusalem, and so many of the saints got up and walked out around and went into the city. That's what it says in Matthew 27, 52, and 53. I'm not making this stuff up. The counterfeit to that will be the beast being wounded, having a head wound unto death, and coming back alive, and the whole world will marvel. Continue, brother. And shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they shall dwell on the earth, and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was, and is not, and yet is. Read that verse again, brother. The beast that thou sawest. No, no, verse, verse 9. Oh, verse 9. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And there are seven kings. Five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was, and is not, 
Even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goeth into perdition. Okay, we'll get into the seventh, uh, seventh and eighth, and the ten kingdoms in Daniel too. We'll get into all that when we get to the book of Revelation, folks. Okay, that's the reason why I'm not making comment on it right now. All I'll tell you is this, and I've been over it in the past, and you folks have heard it, some of you and some of you haven't. The ten kingdoms are ten kings, and they're not human. They're half human. So that's that's not my opinion. That's what the Word of God says in Daniel chapter 2. I've been over it many, many times. In Daniel chapter 2, I think it's verse 52 and 53. It'll be between verse 50 and 55 in Daniel chapter 2. Check me out. Don't you believe a word I'm saying? Go ahead, brother. Continue on. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. That's them right there. Go ahead, brother. These have one mind, shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and king of kings, and they that are with him are called the chosen and faithful. All chosen and faithful, and the only ones that are not deceived up here by all this stuff are who, Brother David? Don't you remember? The chosen and faithful. Before the, the foundation of the world. Yes. <laughs> the elect. The elect. Bingo. Go ahead, brother. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. She's going down. That that whore over there is burning up. She's going down eventually, folks. Go ahead, brother. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. You see, the words of God, plural, the words we've just been reading for the last two hours, the words of God. Well, they're going to be fulfilled, folks. They're going to be fulfilled. Continue, brother. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Revelations chapter 18, verse 1. And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Sound familiar? Just go ahead, brother. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto the heaven, 
and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled, fill her, fill to her double. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen, and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death, and mourning, and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. And the kings of the earth, who have committed fornication, and lived deliciously with her, shall bewail her, and lament for her, when they see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise any more. The merchandise of gold, and silver, and precious stones, and of pearls, and fine linen, and purple, and silk, and scarlet, and all fine thine wood, and all manner of vessels of ivory, and all manner of vessels of most precious wood, and of brass, and iron, and marble, and cinnamon, and odors, and ointments, and frankincense, and wine, and oil, and fine flour, and wheat, and beasts, and sheep, and horses, and chariots, and slaves, and souls of men. Absolutely. We went back to Ezekiel 13, uh, whenever we do the program about uh, on the giants and the things under the earth, which the scripture is playing about. Okay, I'll deal with this again because I've got a little new light on it and we'll deal with it when we do those programs. Go ahead, brother. And the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee, and all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour so great riches is come to naught. In Every shipmaster and all the company in ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness, for in one hour is she made desolate. If you have any doubts about the financial aspects of the whore, you need to read Avro Manhattan's book, The Vatican Billions. And that was back in the 80s. It's trillions now. 
by Avro Manhattan, Vatican Billions. That's the name of it. Go ahead, brother. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. And mighty, and a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall the great city of Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. And no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth. For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. Oh, by their sorceries were all nations deceived. We'll get into that magic business when they're, like I said, when we deal with the souls of men, Ezekiel 13, the giant, all that business. We'll deal with that then. Go ahead, verse 24, brother. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Anybody with any common spiritual sense that knew the, knew the facts would agree about the Catholic Church. Anyway, is there any questions in the chat room? Not currently, no. Okay. But if there's no questions in the chat room, I'm sorry I kept y'all folks so late tonight. Folks, we could have kept on going, but... Anyway, we'll meet back tomorrow night, and uh, Lord willing, we'll do a program on the heresy of the Hebrew Roots Movement and how Paul for it, covered it every bit in the book of Galatians, but we'll deal with some more scriptures as well. Still nobody wrote anything, Brother Kevin? No. Okay. Brother David, if you would, dismiss us in a word of prayer, brother. Father, in Jesus' name, we give you thanks for this word tonight. We thank you for teaching us. We pray that you'd begin to make these words come alive and to teach us new things about what is the capital city, what is the, the city of that antichrist and of the false prophet and of that ecumenical religious system of Mithraism and magic and sorceries that deceive the whole earth. We pray that you would... Help us to be the elect that aren't deceived as you've called us to be that. Help us to understand it, these scriptures, these prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Obadiah and Revelations. And for these things, we're truly grateful that the Lord Jesus Christ could be glorified in us and that we would be faithful, found faithful and true unto you through all these things that come upon the earth. I pray for a good night's sleep for everyone within the sound of my voice tonight in the chat room for Pastor Don and for all. And, Lord, I pray for peace of mind and soundness in all tonight and that your spirit will go with us, uh, fellowshipping with us throughout this evening. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you know, folks, I... This, this, 
you, you're going to hear more and more so-called prophetical teachers that's talking about this great deception, great deception, great deception, great deception coming, okay? That's what you're going to hear more and more about it. They'll be mentioned. I've mentioned it. I know I have. know I have, all right? But I'm going to tell you something. I, I can tell you the great falling away that Paul talks about, the great falling away in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, do you know who's the author of that strong delusion? It's not Satan. Everybody you hear out there, the prophetic teachers, going to tell you Satan's going to going to give you going going to give you a big deception. That's not what the Bible says. Did you know that? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says God shall send the strong delusion. Not Satan. That they should believe a lie who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And then the very next verse tells you, but elect, that's who Paul's talking about, you're not going to be deceived because you're called and chosen. So, anyway, I'm going to throw that in there. There ain't no questions. We're going closer tonight, and Lord willing, we'll see you guys tomorrow night, and we'll have a good time in the Lord tomorrow night. Good night, Brother David. Appreciate it, Brother. Uh, do you want the contact information for Don yes. Spears Ministry? Go ahead. Telephone number 334-397-2333. The email address is joydon1953 at yahoo.com. Mailing address 31 Five five Louisville Street, apartment D one, Clio, Alabama, zip three six zero one seven three six zero one seven. Thanks for listening, everyone. Good night, brother David. Good job. Good job, Good night. brother Kevin. Appreciate it very much. Good night to all you folks in the chat room. God bless Good night you and every one of you. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.